0: Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of Financial Brand. You know, you've heard it from me before, you're going to hear from me again. There is nothing more important to digital transformation than data, analytics, and the deployment of insights for the benefit of the customer. More than ever before, these advanced analytics and these tools, are gonna be a major differentiator in the financial marketplace as you compete with other finance institutions, with FinTechs, and with the big tech firms. But the good news is, no matter what size you are, this is achievable. On today's show, we have Nate Shahan, co-founder and chief products officer of Sigmund. He will discuss how traditional financial institutions can leverage this high-level data and insight capability to provide differentiation in the marketplace. There's never been a time when data and advanced analytics was more important for banking. From the development of new services, creating better experiences, or securing identity, banking needs smarter data faster. The key is to find ways to compress the timeline from transaction to insights, to decisioning, to experience, to strategic advantage, and differentiation in the marketplace. To achieve the goal of speed of insights, most organizations are partnering with solution providers that are skilled at working with financial institutions. As I've mentioned, I have Nate Shahan, co-founder and chief product officer of Segment, with me on the show today. Welcome to the show, Nate. You know, before we start, could you provide me a little bit of insights into the history of Segment?
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, first, uh, you know. Jim, I, I've seen you speak many times. Uh, you know, big fan, and uh, it's great to have an opportunity to sit down and, and chat with you over uh, an important topic like this. I think one we're we're both passionate about, and and one segment's been passionate about since the the beginning. You know, we've been we've been around as an organization for you know over fourteen years, and uh, have really been you know all about you know helping financial institutions get more out of their data assets. It's really been been our mission uh, since day one. And and it's not it's not about, you know, presenting those in a way that uh, in the form of reports or or analysis, as you would traditionally think, you know, our our form of helping an institution get more out of data is also connecting that to to ways to get action uh, out of it and deploy it. Uh, in meaningful ways, uh, but also scalable ways, uh, to impact decisions and experiences that happen right now at at the institution. Uh, and you know that's where the industry's going. That's where, you know the you know the the advancement of the topics we're talking about today uh, is heading. And and uh, that'll remain our mission, you know, going forward.
0: Well, it's interesting because we we talked a little bit about it at the beginning. I've known your firm since its beginning because I'm I'm local. I'm I'm in Cleveland. You're in Akron, and you know one of the interesting dynamics is that your firm has really transformed itself. I, initially, you, you processed data. You really looked at data and said, "Here's the insights we can delve out of this." But you found, I think, if, we've, if I get it right, that, that organizations, yeah, they, they got your answers, but they didn't do anything with them. And one of the things that, that I remember Segment doing very well was really building marketing programs around your data. How important is that to the whole dynamic of your partnerships with financial institutions, being able to take data, analyze the data, and actually provide organizations with ideas that they can make money on the data processing, you do. Yeah, that's that's so key. Uh,
1: you know, so many of our our clients and partners, uh, especially from a, a marketing uh, perspective and an engagement perspective, uh, so many of them are just like everyone else in the world, right? L- low resources, low staff. Uh, you know, minimum technology uh, investments and, and capabilities, and and so you could produce the best insights and intelligence about, you know, their customers or members for a large majority of of the market uh, and hand it over uh, to them. Uh, But that really doesn't cover the last mile right to to the customer. And so, you know, we we believed early on that we not only had to create intelligence and insights and meaningful understanding a customer, not just out of data at the institution, but the most difficult data available to work with at the institution, which is that, you know, that understanding of spend and, and transaction analysis. And we we felt day one that we had to offer a, uh, an automated way, once those insights are derived very quickly uh, from the movement of that data day over day or real time as we're receiving that data, uh, to deploy it uh, instantly through automated capabilities around customer engagement Uh, and so those those small staffs those uh, limited resource teams within our client base can really benefit from uh you know the the things that the giants in the industry are doing around data and engagement Uh, we felt it was necessary to deploy that capability turnkey allow them to engage with their customers as they're interacting on digital channels. They've made these massive digital investments right? to, to expose to their customers, whether that be digital, mobile banking, customer service applications, chatbots, or whatever the case may be. They've made these massive investments. Uh, they're getting great data out of it. Uh, and so use those interactions most effectively. And so we we deploy our data with real use cases behind them.
0: So, you mentioned engagement, and this has been a key element of things I've talked about recently. What do you mean when you talk about engagement? You know, a lot of times we talk about how we can deploy data, make better experiences, and we talk about it in very non defined ways. But when you talk about engagement, what are you talking about and what are you trying to deliver to your clients so that they can deliver to their clients? You
1: know, engagement to us is every potential interaction that a customer, account holder, member, whatever the case may be, every single possible touch point they have with an institution, and that that crosses the board from, yes, most definitely those those digital channel uh, engagements and, and interactions, uh, the the automation around onboarding solutions and, and applications for lending, uh, but, but even those face-to-face interactions, those uh, assisted uh, or in-person interactions. Uh, that uh, a customer has with a with a teller, the drive through banking, (laughs) you know, ATM or whatever the case may be, uh, that is an opportunity to personalize uh, the experience. Uh, And the institution has everything at their fingertips to make that experience personal. Uh, And there's so, so many clues within the data that our client, you know, the customers of the institutions uh, are providing the institution uh, through leveraging their banking products, uh, you know, utilizing their, their card products or their digital engagement platforms. Uh, there's so much valuable data there to personalize uh, that that interaction and that experience in a meaningful way. And so that's what we mean is getting the data uh, and the recommendations uh, to, to really make those experiences as personal and meaningful as possible uh, to the front lines, really covering that last mile between data and customer.
0: Boy, that's a great description because it really, it's more than just the personalization. It's actually trying to determine the journey that a person has to take to get to their financial goals. And it's getting easier and easier. You know, how do you describe AI and machine learning being used today in the financial services space? And how does that differ to what it was used Maybe even two or three years ago.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know it's it's very common just uh, for anybody that's in the industry our 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 heads to go to uh, when we think about AI and machine learning, kind of go to the applications of that around topics like business process automation. Uh, or customer service automation and applications, uh, Alexa implementations, for example, or, or chatbot implementations, uh, which all of those are, you know, great uses of of the technology, but but are really just scratching the surface in the ways that uh, AI and ML solutions can and should be deployed, and 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 really just the start of the expanded use, I think, of the technology that we'll see in the coming years.
0: What feature does a good AI modeling platform actually entail when you're talking about a customer experience as opposed to the security or risk assessments? You know,
1: data, data is being produced in droves by account holders, customers, and members of the institution, more so than, than we've seen in history. And tomorrow, we'll say it was produced more than it was yesterday. Uh, just it, it, a lot of that is is largely in part of you know a great adoption uh, of technology uh, and banking products, uh, specifically digital banking solutions and and automated uh, banking solutions that are made available to you know our, our customers at the institution. Uh, ultimately though those the results of using those are producing more data than ever before and in many cases uh poor quality uh, of data uh and so when you mix you know new tech with legacy systems you know the output of that is oftentimes very difficult to work with data but very valuable data and and so you know you know traditionally uh you know AI uh modeling uh, approaches uh you know I would I would say oftentimes you know spanned several weeks or months uh, to get value out of them specifically around leveraging ML for predictive modeling uh, purposes and so traditionally Uh, there was, you know, that step of data acquisition, you know, figuring out what data assets are are critical for, uh, you know, a prediction, uh, you know, about a customer, um, you know, actually building the model you know against that data uh, requires clean and and enriched data you know usually once you identify the data assets uh, they're they're very difficult to work with or oftentimes uh, difficult to understand so you have to prepare that data once you get it to really be useful to the the model itself uh, then you you know test the model optimize the model deploy it into market uh, and then you go through the same rigorous approach of collecting data again to see how the model performed and so that is that is don't get me wrong a, a useful approach uh, and for you know many uses and needs within the institution still viable and, and necessary uh, but you know a good AI uh, platform and and approach, needs to also offer a faster moving solution something that moves as quick as the data is moving and being produced uh, you know by the the customers and and account holders and and so what i what you want to do in those cases is deploy a platform that has automated uh, approaches to data enrichment because again the the data quality that's being produced in volumes is is not the best specifically when you look at transaction level data uh, it's, it's oftentimes, once it lands within the core of the institution, uh, in, in a state that's very difficult to work with and understand. And so it needs enrichment. And so automation around data enrichment and then automation around uh, you know, model predictions and the ability to deploy those audiences that are derived from those predictions to the channels and syndicate that data to the channels that our customers are interacting with in a very automated way is all key. And so the big the big picture here is automation uh, around AI uh, and being able to instantly detect how it's going and automi- automate the optimization process.
0: You know, it's interesting, financial institutions, there's not one that doesn't have a ton of data. The challenge is almost every financial institution knows that they're not using it the best way. They're certainly not structured the right way, and it, it certainly isn't being used and deployed the right way. But except for the top, you know, I'll say ten, but probably in the top five, four financial institutions, the skill sets to make data actually actionable and showing how to take action is really a weakness. So, what should a financial institution look for when they're looking for a vendor? Number one. And number two, do they have to wait until their data is really in good shape or should a vendor be able to help them get there?
1: That's a great question. Specifically, the second part of that question, you know, uh, we, we've seen over the years, you know, the, the I guess the habit or, or desire to, you know, really, you know, contain the problem. Uh, What I mean by that is because there's so much data, you know, we saw over the last five to 10 years, you know, big push uh, by many financial institutions to feel like, hey, I have to contain my data in a location, at least get it organized right through data warehousing solutions, data lakes, data lake houses. You know, tomorrow it'll be called something else. Uh, and, And those are those are meaningful you know, task and, and produce a lot of value uh, for the institution, but is not necessarily a prerequisite uh, that has to occur uh, before getting value uh, out of this data that that's flowing through the institution. And so, you know, what what I would you know look for or, or recommend uh, for anybody looking to to take meaningful steps in this direction is and 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 are evaluating vendors is you know, really dig into uh, the data that the vendor will utilize in their approach. Uh, it's it specifically the data assets that, that they're uh, looking to consume within their process and, and their technology. Uh, traditional, traditional approaches around AI uh, predictions, predictive modeling, and, and so on, uh, really rely on slower moving data signals Uh, things like month-over-month balance changes, or what were the number of branch visits that occurred, you know, or teller interactions that occurred. All useful data in in making predictions, uh, but You know, modern techniques uh, really thrive on, you know, what we consider being the most valuable uh, data produced by by account holders uh, in large volumes, which, you know, things like uh, spend level uh, data. So the actual transactions that are occurring on these accounts with specific merchants or competing financial institutions, as well as some of that channel interaction data, right, the signals that are available through how we behave on those digital Uh, experiences that uh, are are being consumed by the account holder. And so really digging into the data assets that are being utilized in the process, they very much should include those difficult to work data assets, uh, work with data assets uh, that that occur in volume, like transaction level data. Um, And so I would ensure that they're consuming that type of data in their predictions and in their process. And I would ensure that they have automated approaches to distilling that data into something meaningful and useful very quickly as it occurs. There's three months is too long to analyze and, and enrich a transaction to prepare it for a model. You got three minutes, right? Make it work. Right now, and so you know, those, those are the you know, two key areas uh, that that I would focus on uh, from from a vendor assessment perspective.
0: From your perspective, but also things I've seen, you know, you keep on referencing speed, and I think organizations really underestimate the importance and the prioritization of speed—not just speed of from data analytics to action or deployment, but speed of the decision. To select a vendor. You know, we used to have the luxury of taking 12 to 18 months to select a vendor for anything we wanted to do in the financial service industry. That luxury is gone. And in fact, the risk of taking that amount of time is greater than the risk of making a wrong decision. I you know, I'm familiar with a lot of the players in, in the marketplace that you work, and and you know, they're all really good players. It is better to make an imperfect decision today and change it than to try to make the perfect decision 12 months from now, only to find that that decision probably is different if you make it six months from then. So, you know, find the partner, find somebody you're comfortable with and make the decision today to move forward. Because honestly, in the right traditional financial services industry right now, the amount of time that you wait to do something is killing you. I mean, the reality, and you, you talk about even the decisions around what you do with the data you get, I I, I reference often often a GPS system that you know if you if you're getting data back from your GPS system every hour as opposed to every minute, you are could be sixty miles away from the place you wanted to be and on a completely different route if you're only getting data that frequently. And people are now used to instantaneous ideas on what you should do proactively to avoid a problem in the future. And that analogy of the GPS system works really well in financial services, because I don't want to know what's already happened with my account as much as I wanna know what should I do tomorrow to make it so that my financial wellness is greater. And and again, in, one other thing I'd mentioned around picking a vendor is pick a vendor that already has case studies. They can deploy almost instantaneously to bring you victories. And I, I know that's one thing that your firm has has really emphasized in the past is you have a lot of case studies on things that have worked. And when an organization is making a decision to find a vendor and they need to justify that decision rather quickly, it's good to have those those case studies in your back pocket to say, we've done this, 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 and this already we need more funding to, to go even further. So uh, again, reinforcing what you say, but you know, it's interesting because in speaking with financial institutions, they often are hesitant to engage in AI modeling because they see it as a security risk around their data. What does a good vendor do to mitigate this risk around data utilization?
1: It, it's a valid concern uh, and should be top of mind uh anytime uh, there's an initiative around uh the communication of data or exposing data uh to a vendor for use in in ai and in ml practices um it, it it should be it should remain that way it should always be top of mind uh but you know the the thing i want to point out first and foremost is there's really no substitute for a well-implemented and rigorous security and controls program around data. Uh, And even if a vendor isn't collecting what is maybe considered sensitive or personally identifiable information uh, from the institution, uh, they should have controls in place as if they do. Uh, And vendors should really care for the data as, as rigorously uh, and with as much discipline as a financial institution does uh, themselves. So, you know, take them through uh, that process uh, and, and ensure that that, you know, fundamental is there. Uh, but but even, you know, when that is there, when those capabilities are there with with the vendor, um, it it shouldn't be a license license. Uh, to deploy personally identifiable information everywhere. And so what I mean by that is if the job can be done, if a prediction can be made uh, without the need to share personally identifiable information, then you shouldn't share it. You know, there's no need to do that uh, with with today's uh, modern technology. And and so why put PII and sensitive data in harm's way if uh, it really isn't necessary to the process or the use case in the first place? Um. Yeah, you know, but but if PII is is necessary and, and key to uh, the strategy, then consider uh, a vendor that is utilizing you know ways to obfuscate and protect uh, that personally identifiable information through you know, what we consider modern approaches. Uh, one of those is uh, through tokenization of of that data. Ensure that they have. Uh, the ability and and technologies in place to tokenize that data if it must flow uh, into their technology ecosystem. We recently announced a partnership uh, with who we consider... Uh, Not just in fintech, but just in the technology industry in general, uh, a company called TokenX, uh, whose entire business uh, is centered around the ability to tokenize sensitive data uh, and let it flow through innovation and technology ecosystems uh, in a very efficient way. And so make sure that that vendor offers at least the capability to tokenize uh, that sensitive information. The last thing I'd look for is to ensure that that the vendor offers uh, capabilities uh, where those capabilities can be brought to the data, where it resides within the institution and their cloud environments today uh, in a situation where either due to large volumes of data, or the sensitivity of data is probably best not to leave the walls of the institution. Uh, and so work with a vendor who's using again modern technologies that allow their their platforms, uh, their analysis, their predictions, their models to run uh, in the controlled environment of the financial institution. And and which is uh, you know you may have seen recently we we announced a partnership with Snowflake. Uh, we're building yeah. our analytics capabilities on that platform for just this purpose and reason. High volumes of data, very difficult to copy and share and move, even in a cloud-based world uh, that we live in. Uh, and it's, you know, there's a lot of sensitivity around spend information and how people are spending their money that should remain private. And so bring the technology to the data using capabilities like Snowflake or, or similar similar platforms.
0: You know, it's interesting throughout your whole history as an organization, you've really been focused on what I'm gonna call the next level of data. More than just balances and things of that nature, you've really been focused on transaction data, which is just massive amounts of volume, but it's sometimes hard to get your arms around. Why is transaction data so important to AI modeling, but even more so towards the solutions that you implement in the marketplace? You know, when, uh, when we
1: say transaction data, like historically, the definition of transaction data, specifically a modeling has been a transaction is a deposit with a teller or a a drive through interaction, you know, at, at, at the drive through window at the institution that uh, that has been, you know, historically what's been described as a transaction. Uh, and again, that kind of data, the slower moving data that I described earlier that that has been useful in predictive modeling and in some of the more traditional approaches, still very useful data, valuable data. Right. It's not bad <laughs> by, by any means. Right. Uh, but what you know, what's very valuable and, and really telling it uh, and, and really helps an institution achieve an understanding of what's going on in their account holders life. You have to follow the money, right? Where where their spending behaviors, right? Who they occur with, how often they occur, right? And and understand the patterns of that purchase behavior and the brands that they engage with on a regular basis. Uh, It's been very difficult historically to utilize that data in predictions or customer understanding. Uh, Because of the quality of that data, once it lands within the core systems of the financial institution, um, the merchant information that's available, really understanding where the purchase took place, uh, that data has been truncated, uh, manipulated multiple times through the payments ecosystem from swipe to core, that it's in many cases a complete mess. Uh, at that point in time, and and so uh, it's been very difficult to leverage that data in these predictions, uh, because it is such produced in such high volumes and, and poor quality, and and so what's unique about the the approach that we've brought to market uh, is the ability to distill that information, uh, enrich it, and and really you know, tag it with supplemental data to, to make it more useful for not just a machine, but also human. Uh, and, and so um, in order to get a real understanding about what's going on in someone's life, you have to understand where and why the money's moving. Uh, and that's really the key driver be, be, between that last mile of just having the data available and putting it to use in a very personalized way. Uh, and so, you know, for us, It's not a nice-to-have, it's a must-have for financial institutions in in the future.
0: Getting down to the the really core of it all, how is data, AI, and machine learning a differentiator that a financial institution can implement against their competition? You know, again, I I, kind of go
1: back to... uh, you know, even a previous conversation uh, you you and I had, which was you know around a lot of the implementations of AI uh, and ML solutions. Uh, maybe maybe oversimplifying it a bit here, but really have been you know siloed and for the benefit of the institution more so than the end customer. Uh, and so what I mean by that is, you know, if you look at traditional implementations around very important topics like risk uh, or fraud detection uh, or even automation of business processes, um, you know, those those are very useful uh, applications and very important applications. But oftentimes the benefits of those are transparent to the end customer. Uh, it really benefits the financial institution. Uh, and so, you know, I I think The reason for that is because AI and ML uh, haven't yet in the next frontier been deployed effectively across the institution to understand data. And that's really the next step for the industry. Uh, And really, the technology's there. Uh, Modern technology is in place to allow an institution of any size Uh, First and foremost, to understand their data and understand their customer uh, with AI and ML uh, solutions, uh, vendors and partnerships and practices uh, to really forge ahead uh, on innovation, differentiator innovation. Uh, that'll really change the lives of the customer, uh, and and will be obvious uh, to them uh, to really secure that relationship. Not only to acquire that relationship, uh, but secure it for the long term uh, and, and and build that lasting you know relationship with
0: customer. That is so key. You know, we've talked about it on other podcasts. I've written about it recently. Is that you know, as opposed to simply driving a marketing communication, good use of data. AI and machine learning should also drive innovation, product development, and you referenced it. If you deploy it across the entire organization, think about the power of your tellers being able to reach out to customers that they no longer see. They don't come in the branch anymore, but they can reach out to them and say, you know what, based on what you've done recently, we think this may be a good idea for you. This is the kind of relationship that Amazon has with their customers. It's kind of the relationship that Netflix has with me in picking what I wanna watch next. I'm just a relatively new Netflix customer, but I am amazed how Netflix, Hulu, all these others can really define in a very short period of time what I'd be interested in next. Well, because of these interactions with other industries, Consumers more than ever are not going to be forgiving if a teller doesn't understand the journey they're taking, if a product manager doesn't understand the journey they're taking, or worse yet, if a marketing communication piece takes the the most finite details and avoids them. You know, I, I have a situation with my current financial institution where they keep on reaching out to me and saying, you know, you should be you should be making sure you take advantage of mobile banking and also remote deposit cash. I I have both. But what's happened is somewhere in the legal part of the the organization, they're saying, we don't want to make a mistake by misidentifying. Well, you know what? You're making a bigger mistake by not identifying. And I I think that, I think you're right. The differentiation in financial institutions is going to be all based on data, but not on how you're doing it well for protecting me, but for knowing me, understanding me, and rewarding me for my relationship in much the same way that Spotify, uh, Apple, Amazon and others do. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform. It is a top five banking podcast and winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take a little bit of time and give us a rating so we can get more guests like Nate on the show. In addition, if you're a financial institution that wants to be interviewed as part of our Banking Transform Solutions podcast, reach out to me and we'll see if we can't work something out. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research you're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Hoffman, and video producer, Will Prince. I'm your host, Jim Rous. Until next time, remember, don't wait to do the important things. Do them now.
1: You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig,